Are you glad to be back at church tonight? Say amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn with us to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number one. And we want to look at verse number 15, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter one, while you're finding your place, if you're able, stand with us tonight as we go to, uh, and read the scripture here in Ephesians chapter number one. Please be in prayer for several of our members who are out sick tonight and others who are shut in. Be, please uh, be with them in prayer. And for those of you who have joined us tonight by way of Facebook or YouTube, I pray that or radio, I pray that the Lord will speak to you right there where you are tonight. Ephesians chapter one, let's begin reading in verse number 15. The Bible says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the works of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your word tonight and preach from Ephesians, God, I pray that you might do, as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, Lord, that their eyes may be opened. Lord, may you reveal to us the wonders and treasures of your word. God, may you draw us to a place where we seek you more uh, wholeheartedly, Lord, and surrender ourselves to you more completely. God, that your will may be done in and through our lives in this church. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15, really through 15 to the end of the chapter is one passage of Scripture dealing with Paul's prayer or Paul telling the Ephesians what his prayer had been for them. He said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you, in my prayers. He said that he rejoiced because he heard of their faith and their love. I want to preach for a few moments, if you will, tonight on this thought, I prayed for you. Paul telling the church at Ephesus, saying, listen, I have prayed for you concerning these matters. Why? Because your faith and for the Lord and your love unto all the saints. Faith and love, these two things are coinciding. They work together. You cannot have love for God without faith. And if you have faith in him, you will love him. They work hand in hand. 
faith and love. Uh, some naturalist desired years ago to obtain the wildflowers which grew on the side of a dangerous gorge in the Scottish Highlands. They offered a boy a liberal sum to descend by rope and get them. He looked at the money, but then he thought of the danger. And then he replied, I will go if my father will hold the rope. With unshrinking nerves, he suffered his father to put the rope around him, lower him over the precipice, and to suspend him there while he filled his basket with the coveted flowers. He had faith in his father. Faith in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said that he remembered an old experimental Christian speaking about the great pillars of our faith, and he was a sailor. He says, we were then on board a ship, and there were sundry huge posts on the shore. There were these great posts, to which the ships were usually moored by throwing cables over them. After I had told him a great many promises, he said, I know they are good, strong promises, but I cannot get near enough to shore to throw my cable around them. And that is the difficulty. Now it often happens that God's past mercies and loving kindness would be good, sure posts to hold on to, but we have not got faith enough to throw our cable around them, so we go drifting down the streams of unbelief. Because we cannot stay ourselves by, by our former mercies. I will, however, give you something that I think you can throw your cable over. If God has ever been kind to you, one, uh, one thing you know surely, and that is, he has been kind to others. What Spurgeon was trying to say is, is that we had the promises. God has met our needs many times. God has been faithful to us, and these should be things that we can hold on to. And yet the sailor said, but Spurgeon, the problem is I can't get near enough to hold on to them. Have you ever found yourself as a believer, as a child of God, knowing that God has been faithful to you in your life? He has met your needs. He has been faithful to do what was needed in your life, and yet you face another circumstance, maybe of even lesser uh, uh, problematic uh, uh, problems. And yet you look at them, and our faith becomes weak. We can trust God for our salvation. We have seen God work miracles in our life, and yet sometimes it's the little things that, my, that I doubt with. The problem is God has been faithful, but as humans, sometimes our faith grows weak. Here Paul says, I am rejoicing because of your faith in the Lord. In the Lord Jesus, your faith has been, uh, been great. It's as a rose that would bloom and blossom that is basking in good soil and beautiful sunlight. And as the bloom comes up, it can't help but expand and open its leaves up and, and bask in all its glory because there is a life within it that cannot be contained. And if that rose was to not blossom, it would begin to rot from the inside. And therefore, it must spring forth and show its wonder. And so as Christians, our faith, when the faith of Christ is in us, when we have faith in God, it will begin to expand and it will begin to show out and we will have love for others and those who God has called us to. And Paul says, I rejoice in your faith and in your love. I want to look at about five things tonight with the Lord's help that Paul prayed for the church. 
These are things that Paul desired that this church would be uh, effective and efficient at, things that they would learn, things that God would reveal to them. And I believe these are things that you and I also need to grow in that Christ might reveal himself to us through his word. First off, I want to look down at verse number 17. It says, Paul began to he said, I prayed for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is wisdom and knowledge of God. Jesus was the eternal son of the Father, and in him was the fullness and the spirit of God. Joseph Excel said, original sin found no place there. And the foundations of Christ created nature. There was no intermingling of the taint of the fall. In his birth, no sin. In his temptation, no inward response. His soul was the mirror of unsullied holiness and therefore a fit dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. But we are conceived in sin, born in sin, may, uh, may have lived in sin, and bear uh, the mark still that remain of a corrupted nature. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. And here Paul says, what I am praying for you is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. What Paul was saying was, listen, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit might begin to work in your life, that you may gain a wisdom and knowledge of God and who he is. Who would dare then to speak of the indwelling of the Almighty God, the Comforter in our souls, had he not unmistakably affirmed it? The truth is, when we look at how wonderful and how righteous Christ is, and in Jesus was the Spirit of God completed, and we look at ourselves, how unworthy and how sinful we are, how could God come and dwell within our hearts and reveal His wonder and His glory to sinners such as I? But yet He said it would be so. Our goal and our duty as Christians should be that we should come to a greater depth of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and an almighty God. It does not matter if you are the youngest among us or the eldest, whether you've been saved just a moment or been saved for a lifetime. The truth is we must strive day in and day out to obtain a greater knowledge of him and who he is. As our faith in him grows, so will our love for our neighbor, for the church, for the lost. And as we become more in love with God, as we begin to understand more of who he is, then also we will grasp a greater understanding of what it is that he has for our life and what his purpose is that we may live for him. Paul said, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Not only is there... a Did Paul pray for the church to have wisdom and knowledge of God? But look with me down in verse number 18. He says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Colossians chapter 1 verses 27 And 28 says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That is, Christ says that Jesus, Paul said in Colossians, that Christ is our hope of glory. He is our hope. Our hope is in him. It says our hope of his calling. That is, his calling is our hope. What was Christ calling? It was that he might come and be a, uh, die upon the cross, that he might redeem us back to himself. Jesus Christ's calling was to come to earth, to take on the form of a servant, and to live and die that you and I might have hope and life eternal. And our hope is the hope of his calling. He is our hope and our hope is in him. He is the hope that we have. What is this hope? There are four things of this hope. First, the hope in Jesus Christ gives us eternal security. We know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our first hope in Christ is that we may have eternal security in him. Our second hope is that we might have a perfect justification. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by our faith and our hope is in Christ that we might stand before God justified, not because of our own selves. I cannot stand before God justified because I am a sinner. My only hope is that Jesus Christ would be my advocate, that he would take my sins and wash them away in, in his perfect blood. And he did that on Calvary. Our hope is that we might stand with perfect justification not only in perfect justification, but also in perfection. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 10, the Bible says, But the grace, uh, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I have hope that one day I'll be made perfect. Now, I'm not perfect in this life, but I have hope that one day Christ will finish his work of perfection in my life. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm dealing with sin. I'm struggling. Will it ever go away? Will I ever have complete victory if you're a child of God, you will, but it may not be fully in this life. You say, Pastor, I'm dealing with health issues and uh, our health is failing. Pastor, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the pain, the hurt. I can tell you that our hope is that one day we'll have perfection. We have a new body when we're glorified in heaven and that Christ will make us perfect through him. That is our hope. And with that, our fourth hope is that of eternal happiness. 
John 16, verse 22. And you know, now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. I'm glad that although we're in a, li- in a life now where sorrow abounds, where sin abounds, where disappointments abound, where people hurt you and people let you down, there is coming a day when the Bible says that he's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes. And I have hope that there will be an eternal happiness happiness and joy in the peace of a righteous God. Paul said, I pray that you will know the hope of his calling. Do you have hope? I have hope not in this world, but I have hope in Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this world that I can hold my hand on to. Health fails, relationships fade away, people die and life happens. This life is full of turmoil. So, preacher, how can you have hope? My hope and my anchor is Jesus Christ. He is my hope. Thirdly, he says, what is the hope of his calling? Watch this. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. There is the riches of his glory. The riches of the glory of God. 1 John chapter 3 verse number 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. The riches of his glory. Our hope is that one day we will have his glory. 1 Corinthians 15, 52-53 says in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The riches of his glory. It says, of his inheritance in the saints. I know we can't go tonight and explore the depths of the glory of Jesus Christ. But do you understand for just a minute who he was, his glory? He was a God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh who knew no sin. He was so glorious because he took on death for those that were unworthy. He was without sin, and yet as a young 12-year-old boy, he walked into the temple, and there he began to speak, and he astounded the, the scribes and the Pharisees, for he had the knowledge of God within him. He was God in the flesh. The riches of his glory. God said that he has given everything to the Son. The one who was there in the beginning and we find in John that he was in the beginning with God and the word was God. 
He was God in the flesh. He is the riches. Uh, the riches of his glory are beyond our comprehension. We cannot begin to understand how a God who can hold the vastness, the inexhaustible depths of our universe in the palms of his hand and with his voice spoke all things into existence who all joy, all hope, all love, everything righteous and good is contained within Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we are have an inheritance with him. An inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says, that we are, we are brothers and sisters with him. We spoke on this last week. I won't delve too far into it. But we have an inheritance with Jesus Christ. The riches of his glory. Paul was saying, listen, I want you to understand the depths of the riches of his glory and that you have an inheritance with the saints in his glory. I wonder why Paul wanted them, the church at Ephesus to realize that. It may be that Paul said, listen, I want you to know your place. I want you to understand who it is that you represent, who it is that you're a part of. Paul's saying, listen, I want you to understand the riches of the glory of Christ. We're children of God. We're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time that we held our heads up high and quit acting like uh, as believers and children of God that we are defeated. But we're on the winning side. We can hold our heads up and rejoice knowing that we are... Joint heirs with Christ, and as such, we should live as such. We should live righteous and holy, that we might bring honor and glory to Him. I don't have to serve God. I don't have to live right. I don't have to try to behave as a Christian. No, I get to as a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ, and I want to know the riches of His glory. And the more I begin to understand who He is, when I begin to understand what He is, it begins to look at my own life, and it begins to magnify the sin that is within me. I believe that's why the psalmist said, my sin is ever before me. And as we walk with Christ, and as we become closer to Him, we began to see our own imperfections. and We began to seek God that he might pull out of us those things that bring shame and dishonor to his holy name. The riches of his glory. Verse number 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him as his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. See the exceeding greatness of his power and Paul says, listen again, I want you to understand that. Verse number 22 says, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. 
which is his body and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This is Paul's prayer. Paul's praying. And he draws attention to the greatness of the power of God. He says that Christ is the head over all things to the church. The fourth thing Paul prayed for is for the fullness of Christ in the church. That the fullness of Christ might be displayed in the church. Church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And it means the called out. To be called out, to be separated. Ecclesia. We are called out to be a part of the body of Christ. The Bible says the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That is not saying that the church completes God. That is not saying that the church completes Jesus. But rather what scripture is trying to tell us is that the church should be the fullness of him, that we should be fully representative of him, that we should fully mimic him, that the church should be the perfect representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I'm praying that you will display the fullness of Christ or that the fullness of Christ will be displayed in you. The calling of God, we were preaching through Sunday morning through the book of Jonah. We're looking at what it means uh, to be called from God and, and to run and how God still uses. We looked this morning at second chances and how God is a God that time and time again, he displays his mercy to us who have gone astray and run against him. And, and we looked at how God is always open with open arms when we come to him in repentance from our sin. And yet we understand that we are called as a church, as people of God, the church, not the buildings, but the church, the, the believer. We are called to serve, but we are, the calling of God is more than just to serve. Service is a part of the calling of God, but it's more than that. It's more than just a call to live holy. And as people of God, we are to be holy. We are to live righteous. The Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. And we are called to live right and to, have, uh, to abstain from sin. But it is more than that. The call of God, it is a call to join, to be a part of the body of Christ that the fullness of God might be displayed through us. Is your life representative, a representative, and does it represent the Lord Jesus Christ? We are called that God might uh, be displayed through our life. As an individual, but also collectively as a church. Paul's prayer can really be summarized as this. Live worthily of the body of Christ that we might be the fullness of Christ. Live worthily of rep a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
yet the body cannot live if the head is severed. However, many believers are attempting to live apart from Jesus Christ. We say we're saved, we say we're children of God, and yet we have very little of Jesus Christ in our life. We may come to church once or twice a week, but that's about as religious as we get. We don't want to be considered fanatical. We don't want to get too close. People might think we're going crazy or overboard. We don't want to go too far serving God. We want to miss hell, and that's about it. We want to get our fire insurance to know that we're not going to hell, but that's about as far as we want to get with living for Christ and displaying Christ in our life. I want you to know that we are the body of Christ, and the body cannot survive without the head. Jesus Christ must be the head of our church and our hearts and our lives. He must be preeminent in all things that we do. Likewise, just as the church cannot survive without Jesus as the head, no member of the body can survive without being attached to the body as a whole. We're the body of Christ, the fullness of God. I understand that there are some who providentially cannot be at church all the time. We have to work and things happen. Some are sick and shut-ins, have health issues that cannot be here Yet there is a concerning trend that has happened since COVID. A lot of people have gotten used to not coming to church. We've got used to worshiping from afar. We don't want to get too close. And as believers, we are called to be a body together that the fullness of Christ might be displayed through us. Therefore, it's imperative that we remain connected to the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25 is a familiar passage of Scripture. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I understand that that Scripture is often taken out of context and, and preached as if it's a sin to miss a church service. And if you miss church at all, you're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's not what the Bible's saying. We have liberty in Christ. However, I may miss a meal from time to time, and it probably wouldn't hurt me to miss one or two more than I do. But if I miss too many, it don't take long till things go bad. It is imperative that we remain faithful to the house of God. That doesn't mean life doesn't happen and things don't come up, but we must make it a priority to say, listen, I don't have to go to church. I want to be at church. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I desire that, we might, that Christ might be fulfilled in and through my life. Say, Pastor, I, I'm... I have physical problems that keep me from being there. Are you griping at me? No, I believe God understands and God knows where your heart is. It's about the heart, though. Where does your heart long to be? I love church because I love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, then you must love his body. And he says, which is his body, the church. 
Do you love God? Do you love Christ this evening? Do you long to be Him? Paul said, listen, this is going back 2,000 years. And Paul examining the church said, listen, I'm praying that you will gain wisdom and knowledge of God. Are you growing in your wisdom and knowledge of God? Church is a great start, but it must go deeper than that. It must come to a daily walk with God. Searching the riches of his word. Then Paul said, I'm praying that you will understand the hope of his calling. Paul said, I want you to understand the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have hope because of him. Then Paul prayed for the church. He said, I'm praying that you will understand the riches of his glory. That you may know just how wonderful and glorious he is. Then Paul said, fourthly, I'm praying that you will display the fullness of Christ in the church. Are we faithful representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is Christ glorified through our lives? Say, Pastor, we want God to work in our church. We want our church to grow. We want to reach our community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see people discipled and growing. And we want God to do great things. We want to upkeep things. We want to do work. We've got plans and hopes and dreams for this church, things that can happen. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how much paint you put on the outside if the church on the inside isn't displaying the fullness of God. We've missed out. We've missed the mark. We've missed our calling. Our calling is that Christ might be fully displayed and mirrored through us, the believer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder this evening, church, is Jesus Christ being faithfully portrayed through your life? How about it, Izzy? Do others see Jesus Christ through your life? If not, I encourage you. Would we seek Him and say, God, with your help, would I want to be faithful to live for you? Do we have our hope? I hope that you're not here today hopeless, but maybe you're sitting here in the pew and you're saying, Pastor, I came in with a smile on my face, but inside I've lost hope. Maybe you're on Facebook and you're, or radio tonight and you're sitting there in your living room or home and you're saying, Pastor, I, I'm not there, but preacher, wherever I'm at, I've lost my hope. All hope is gone. 
As the old song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, His blood and righteousness. He is our hope. Tonight, do you have the hope that Christ can bring? As Sister Kay begins to play the piano, I wonder tonight, do you know Christ? Is everything right between you and the Lord? If not, the altars are open. If you want to come forward, you come forward and do business with God. If you need to pray right where you're sitting, that's all right. But I encourage you tonight, do not leave until everything is right between you and God. How about it tonight? Ronnie's going to sing. But if you're here, the altars are open. If you want to pray with someone, you come forward. We'll be glad to pray with you. How about it tonight? The altars are open if God has spoke to your heart. is God speaking to your heart? Some are praying in the altar. I'm not going to rush it. This is what we're here for. For God to speak to hearts. If the Lord is speaking to you tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, I wonder, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I know you didn't preach per se a salvation message, but Pastor, between me, you, and God, I'll be honest with you. If I were to die right now, Pastor Ellis, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I hope I do, but I'm not positive. If that's you tonight, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. Would you raise your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Just slip your hand up and back down. I'll pray for you. Is there one?
tonight. Some have come. Yet I wonder, is God speaking to your heart? If so, don't delay. Don't wait till tomorrow. Make things right with God now. Father, Lord, we do come to you in prayer. God, we ask for that your Holy Spirit might be with us and work in our midst. Lord, we never know what the need is in the heart. And yet, God, we understand that your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, knows all things. Lord, we ask that, Lord, those who are, Lord, distraught in their heart, Lord, maybe those who have wandered far away from you. Lord, those who are just hurting and, Lord, need that hope restored. God, whatever the need may be, Father, we ask that you might work and meet those needs according to your will and according to your plan. Lord, we thank you for the Son of God who died for our sins and shed his blood so uh, that was so righteous and holy without sin. And yet, God, you allowed your son to die in my stead. God, I don't understand that love or that amazing grace, but Father, thank you for it. Lord, we ask that you might be glorified with uh, us as a church, Lord, as individuals. Lord, may we bring glory and honor to your name through our lives, through our devotion, Lord, through our evangelism efforts, Lord, through our testimony that we portray to a lost and dying world. God, may you be the center of everything we do here at North Etowah Baptist Church. And Father, we love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.